You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hello. Yo, dude. Hey, what's happening? Nothing much. How you doing? Oh, good. Good. Just cruising. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because I have a longtime listener who submitted a question that brought up some inner turmoil for me. Okay. And I was hoping that you could help me work through it. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm here for. All right. Let's do it. Chris B. in Australia asked, Dave, have you ever been called out on your surfing etiquette by somebody close to you? I was having a fun small wave session with a couple of mates and we were goofing around, dropping in on each other, as you do with you and your mates when you're not having a serious session. Anyway, after I caught a set wave, I paddled back out and I said to my buddy, snaked you there. Haha, sorry. He replied, don't worry. I'm used to it. I was like, what do you mean? He proceeded to tell, he proceeded to tell me that I do it every session and I have done for years. I was rattled. It was almost an intervention. I have always been a frother, but never thought of myself as a wave hog and somebody that snakes. I said to my mate, I can't believe you hadn't said anything to me before. He replied, maybe it was just time you heard it. Whoa. So do you know why I'm reading this to you, Joel? I do, David. I do. (laughs) Do Uh, you really? Yeah, a little uh, late summer session at Cardiff Reef, my friend. What happened? Oh, you know, same sort of thing. Fun times. Hey, let's, you know, you come down from... uh, up there in the OC or whatever you guys call it up there and uh, join us down here at Cardiff Reef for, a, you know, our normal Saturday session. We go out having a good time. Everybody's good. Yeah, I catch a nice little wave, a little right-hander as Cardiff all, often offers. And uh, Mr. David Scales and his black surfboard decides to just drop in and, you know, oh, just in fun times. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? That's exactly what I'm referring to, and I still feel sheepish about it. Oh, yeah. Leash and everything. This is um, my official public apology to you, Joel. I am very sorry for what I did to you that day. Oh, come on. All in good fun. All in good fun. Here's the real deal, dude. I remember specifically when that wave was coming, you telling me that I could go for it and I could burn you. Did you or did you not? I did. I did, actually. Yeah. In coming clean, I did. I did say go okay. for it. Go for it. We were having a good time. Okay. I don't know if everybody else heard you say that because when I took off, I actually felt like it was all cool. But then kind of when I was paddling back out, I got weird vibes from like the other guys we were with that maybe I shouldn't have taken off that even if you said it was okay, it was the set way. It was the right of the day, the set of the day. And uh, maybe I just should have been, even if you said it was okay to go, maybe I shouldn't have gone. Oh, come on. No, it was all in good fun. By me going in front of you, did I diminish the joy, your joy of that wave. No, no, not in that session. I we were having a good time. We, we you and I don't get to surf very often together, and so I felt like you know you're coming down. We were just having a good time. It was a small day. It was you know all in good, all in good fun, my friend. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe Chris B's friend is just the curmudgeon who needs to learn that sharing is caring. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it depends on the time. I mean, we were definitely that, that was a fun, you know, a fun session. I I get it. If it's like a thing that would happen all the time where I I could, I could feel you getting a little like, 
you know, getting a little grumpy if that's like a regular occurrence, you know? Well, you have my public apology and uh, um, I will, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, I know you gave me the okay. I've always felt bad about it ever since. Oh, uh, so. accepted. All right, dude. Well, thanks. Oh yeah, no worries, bud. If you have thoughts or an email you'd like to share with me, do it through surfsplendorpodcast.com. That's where Chris B got a hold of me. There's also a comment section there. Lots of people are chiming in, sharing interesting takes on all of our surf ranch discussions. There's also a lot of comments, kind of equal parts support and vitriol for my show with Chaz Smith. That's always fun to review. And then also, you just heard from Joel. After he and I finished that portion of our uh, conversation, it was a phone call, we were catching up and he mentioned that he had signed up for Health IQ based on hearing me talk about it on this show. He's going through the screening process still, yet to be approved. Again, they offer lower life insurance rates for people who live a healthy lifestyle, the same type of incentive that car insurance companies offer for being a good driver. So he's yet to be approved, still going through it. But Joel mentioned it to me because he just wanted to tell me that the people at Health IQ were super cool, nice, easy to work with. I think we all kind of hate calling companies, whether it's insurance companies to discuss something or having billing changed or just anything like that. But Joel said they were super easy, really enjoyable, and uh, just an overall good experience. So if approved, he will save money on life insurance simply for being healthy. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor is where you go to learn more and to support this show. Just make sure that they know you heard it here, and then you will support us. You'll save money. Everyone wins. And then also, nothing but positive feedback from listeners who have been using Fanatic.com. They are the Netflix of fins. For 10 bucks a month, they mail you fins to your home. You keep them as long as you want. Send them back. They will send you the next set off your queue. All of the postage is covered with your 10 bucks. It's an instant quiver expander. I'm currently riding the FCS2 Carver fins. I've also got a Rainbow Finco 7-inch cutaway fin. And then next on my queue, I'll just scroll real quick, are uh, Futures Lost Seaworthy Quads. I'm going to try a quad set. And then John John's medium-sized TechFlex newer fins are the next uh, set of thrusters that I'm going to grab. So anyways, I'm like a kid in the candy store on here. I have more fin options than I have sessions in a week to test them all. It's a good problem to have. So again, if you use our promo code podcast, you will get your first month free and Fanatic will continue to support this show. Fanatic.com promo code podcast. Thanks. Today's guest is the first of his kind here on this show. I dove into 2018 with the goal of broadening the scope of this show, adding new themes, new show formats, new voices, and this episode is in that effort. We've had photographers, filmmakers, writers, plenty of surfboard shapers, but today is our first surfboard laminator, Alex Superwolf Villalobos. And again, Part of my 2018 efforts is just breaking down some of these fundamental terms that we use all the time. Construction terms like laminating or hot coat, we're going to break those apart. And then design 
terms as well. You know, what does single concave do? What does double concave do? We're not going to get into the design stuff so much in this episode. We'll reserve that for surfboard shapers, but construction stuff is right in Alex's wheelhouse. So that's a lot of what we're going to unpack today, along with, of course, his origin story. The other goal that this episode achieves is um, in trying to highlight unsung or undersung figures in surfing. Shapers get all the glory. So let this episode be the first of many that broaden the focus of that limelight to include the many people who are involved in the process of building our surfboards. So this is David Scales for Surf Splendor. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Alex Superwolf Villalobos. Enjoy. I'm just visiting. I am finally First of all, Superwolf has to be the coolest name in all of laminating, maybe even all of surfing, I would say. Who, who, uh, who gave you that? It's kind of ridiculous, actually. Um, uh, so, when Instagram started, uh, my wife kept bugging me that I should be on it, you know? And uh, I didn't really want to go on it. And she, like, created an account behind my back. And then she... Uh, I forget if it was me or her, but so prior to that, a few years, it, uh, we're going to a Halloween party, um, and it was like a costume party, and it was like last minute. Uh, I think it was superhero themed, so I went to uh, art, you know, um, CVS or something, and and they had a a wolf hat, and being that my last name has wolf in it, yeah, um, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be Super Wolf. So we made this ridiculous costume with an S and everything and a cape. And then uh, it's it, that's that's, that's where amazing. that came from. <laughs> so she based the Instagram handle on the, the previously costume. Yeah, worn yeah, costume. as like just a, a stupid joke because I was like, no, I don't want to be on there. You know, I don't want to. Um, so do you officially go by that now, or is it no, just your Instagram? That's handle? just my Instagram. Your some, some people, not yeah, you Super no, no, oh, okay. no, never. Um, that's why it's hilarious because it's like, man, yeah. I, I guess I should have thought that one out a little. No, it's awesome. Better. It's actually I I thought it was like in in the surf world. I'm like that's one of the cooler nicknames, right up there with Laser Wolf, which is the photographer yeah, yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like Laser Wolf's pretty cool. I think I follow that guy. That's a pretty yeah. rad wolf. Yeah. Have you bought into Instagram after your wife forced you to get on there? Um. Do you use yeah, it? it? It took a while. Yeah. No. For sure. Yeah. How can you not? <laughs> it's it's I addicting. Know. I know it is for yeah. me. I'm always amazed sometimes that people aren't. Yeah. I feel like the surf world lives there. You know. Yeah. I mean, surf pictures and yeah. boards and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's really hard to to not. It's, but it's, it's like, cool. It's like Hollywood uses Twitter. Yeah. You know, like, and maybe they have an Instagram account, but like they live on Twitter. Whereas I feel like nobody in the surf world cares about Twitter. Right. But we're all on Instagram. Yeah. You know? We don't have. Yeah. Maybe because it's more visually based. Um, considering that you're the first laminator we've ever had on the show, I'm going to rely on you to help define some terms for us for the conversation moving forward. I'm referring to you as a laminator. Is that accurate? That's very accurate, yeah. It is, okay. Yeah. Uh, what is, what is um, yeah, laminator? Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there's there's so many of us, so it's, it's kind of trippy and humbling at the same time to be chosen to do it because there's so many... 
you were referred yeah. by a number of people. Oh, actually. wow. Yeah. That's cool. Like over the years, a number yeah. of people, I don't know if they found you through somebody's boards that you're doing or yeah. maybe just through Instagram or something. But yeah, a number of people over the years asked me to reach out to you. So um, what does the laminator do? Um, we, well, we take the blank and we basically wrap it in fiberglass and resin as best as possible. Okay. Um, you know, nice, tight, light and tight. That's oh, it's always been the motto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you responsible for the finishing of the board as well then? Um, no, okay. but I mean, it, it's all like a process, right? Like clean shape. You do a clean lamination. That means the hot coat comes out clean and the sand job comes out clean. It all comes out really good at the end. It's all like a process. It's not just, you know, without a proper shape, my job's impossible. Sure. And if the guy after me, you know, messes up the hot coat or something or the sander, he could screw the whole thing up. So it's all part of the same process, you know. Just one part of glassing, what everyone considers glassing. Right. So, to clarify for listeners, in some operations, the glasser is one person who's doing the laminating and the hot coat and And the polish. And sanding and polishing. It's all glassing. But in your world... I'm just laminating. Just laminating. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. One underlying theme that all the board building conversations I have here... um, that I have on this show, there's always this question of quality. You know, board builders will be like, oh, I build quality. My boards are better quality than somebody else's. And so I'm always trying to kind of get at that question. What is quality? So for you specifically, what element of your job defines your work as quality as opposed to any other laminator? Um, well... I mean, I don't know if I'm, there's so many, there's so many bad glass jobs out there, but there's also so many good ones, I think, you know? Um, so I, I mean, it's, it's such a weird thing with, with surfboards. You could do everything to the best of your ability and everyone create this beautiful surfboard and one, one mistimed maneuver or one, you know, close out barrel or you didn't you know you tried to go out the doggy door and something it could, i mean you just snap your board just, just cleanly in half or um you leave it in your car one hot day and you come out and your whole deck's like delaminated from your nicely worn in foot wells on your tail of your favorite thruster or whatever you know so yeah it's weird but i mean quality is to me um like you look at a surfboard and the color it's just blemish free and perfect the cut laps really perfect the polish is not waffled which is like when you heat heat up the uh the board too much and you can almost see like the weave of the fiberglass through it like it's gets this real like waffly texture on it mm-hmm. um i guess i kind of lost the plot on the question right no now. <laughs> it's okay just how do you define quality a number of those things that you just mentioned color kind of sat- saturation yeah uh being able to see the weave sound like aesthetic things are those related to um, a performance or B structure at all? Kind of both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you have a really wet lamination and it's puddly and everything, you know, it looks like shit. And 
it's probably going to be heavy and brittle, you know? I mean, there's no, there's real no strength in laminating resin. It's all about the balance of using the proper amount of resin in the, in the fiberglass, you know, to, to get the, the, uh, the strength that you need. Got it. Yeah. So, um, quality could equate to, um, like the structure and the lasting structure of the board wanting it to be obviously uh wanting the board the finished product to last longer yeah would be an indicator of quality um and you're saying and more resin it, isn't better huh you're saying more resin isn't better no it's it can not. become more brittle no. yeah okay yeah you know and the opposite too if you if you don't use enough you just dry it out you know um that could be a problem too okay so um Whose boards are you laminating? Um, right now, currently doing mainly uh, Jeff McCallum's, Joel Tudor's boards, and Ryan Birch. Okay. Three um, clients. And then sometimes we do Mitzvins. Um, oh, we do uh, e- uh, Eden's boards, uh, Dead Kooks. Okay. Do some of his. Although as of late, he's uh, he's injured his shoulder. Oh, he like broke it or something. Um, so I haven't been doing too many of those. But okay, um, what's your workload like? How many can you get through in a week? Right now, it uh, we're doing probably like anywhere from sixteen to twenty a week. Okay, you know, it's um, and they're all pretty much all like resin color pin lines glass on fins glossed and polished um you know real like labor intensive stuff got it is that so that's a good amount that's okay. a lot of work got yeah. it that's what i was wondering um how long have you been board building um i started at moonlight glassing at about i think it's like 95 okay um yeah, I was trying to get into the industry for a while, but it was hard. And my friend, uh, uh, Jimmy Jazz, who's also, I mean, he's pretty well known in the industry. Um, he got me in. He was he was polishing at Moonlight. Um, and there was an opening for a guy to come in and do the uh, satin finishes, like a wet Santa gloss. Um, and that's that, that was basically it. Had you had um, any backyard experience no, or anything at all? I mean, just fixing my own dings. Really? Yeah. I had one of those little, like when I was a kid, I had those little, um, what were they called? Dingall or something back in the day? It was like this Dingall's little, a brand for sure. Yeah. So yeah. it was like a little tub and it came with like a little square sandpaper and a little bit of resin and yeah. a, like a little cup to mix it all in. Um, and I remember my mom reading the directions on how to do it. That's so funny. <laughs> but that, that was it. I mean, I didn't even really know what hot coat was or sure. what any of that was when I started at Moonlight. So you grew up surfing then? Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty young when I learned. Not as young as, you know, like like some of these guys that grow up basically on a surfboard and they right. don't remember. But I think I was like maybe 11. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think I was 12. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you got that job? At Moonlight? Yeah. Uh, probably early 20s. Oh, okay. 90, 95. Um, I'm 45 now. So yeah, it's probably like... All of a sudden, I can't do math when I have a microphone <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> um, 
the internet yeah, will be sure like to call early, you out on early that. Early 20s for sure. Yeah. yeah. Moonlight's got quite the legacy. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. So many. No, I was pretty fortunate to end up there. Who'd you, um, who were you working around that or at that time? At that time and also pretty like, much who were everybody at Moonlight to me was like full on legend. Were you they? Know, they were all doing what I wanted to do. It was like surf, build boards, and just be stoked on it and, you know, do really cool quality work you know um and it was all everyone there surfed at the time too it's it's kind of weird now some you know there's some shops where like people don't, don't even surf i know and you could feel it when you walk in you're just like Whoa. i know isn't that weird <laughs> yeah it's bizarre i don't know how you could do this job and not surf i feel like there's an element of just like being a good craftsman that translates or like really good with design you know and then you can design things but I think you're you're then relying all your feedback. You're relying on feedback from other people, for yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it makes makes it a lot more challenging, a longer learning curve, I would think. You yeah, know? a lot a lot will get lost in translation when you're communicating with somebody. I mean, I can understand if something were to happen to you and you for some for whatever reason you can't really surf anymore. But at, like, there's people that don't weren't ever really surfers and they get into it. And that right. always trips me out, you know. Right. How did you stumble into this thing, you know? Super like, weird. So weird. Yeah. Um, who were some of your mentors there at Moonlight? Who were oh, some man, of your formative pretty much everybody. All, all the original, like the four owners, which was uh, Gary Stuber. He was the um, laminator. Uh, Peter St. Pierre, airbrusher, pinliner, you know. Um, Kenny Mann, he was a sander. And uh, Mark Donnellan, who was the glosser and polisher. And all those guys were like, you know, they were gods to me. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. And they would, you know, we'd, we'd talk story all, all the time. Um, and they had a grip of old school surf mags, too, in the, in the break room. So I used to work late in the evening there and into the graveyard shift. And um, in between boards or whatever if i had to take a break i'd sit in that room and just like look at all these mags yeah it, it was a cool it was a, it's a it's a great place to work yeah it seems like it yeah. comes up all the time in conversation yeah um is that where you met jeff no no i didn't meet jeff till years later through joel oh okay um so i worked there for a while learned how to laminate um I uh, was also doing, you know, I started like glassing my own boards. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, I saw uh, Gary Stuber do a resin color um, lamination. It just blew my mind. Um, and I was like, oh, I need to do that. You know, this is the coolest thing ever. So I started doing my own boards with, uh, with resin color. And I also started realizing that at the time, I thought I was going to just be a sander you know because okay. i was working doing um wet sanded glosses which you're using a machine um and it's similar steps you know and um but i was surfing like you know i was probably like 20 something so i'd surf like all day long and then i'd come in and try to throw around this machine all night and oh, okay. it was just getting so beat down and then i just saw gary in the other room you know just pushing resin around with a squeegee and it looks so easy and it looks so like like it's not going to ruin your shoulders man was i mistaken (laughs) (laughs) for sure you know but you know um and then i saw him doing resin color i thought that was super cool 
Um, so I just started doing that on my own personal boards. Okay. So you were shaping And as then well? I started getting more and more into laminating and realized like, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, this is the step in this production factory that I would like to do. Why? Um, it just, it, it appealed to me. I'm not sure. I, I don't know why. Maybe it was the resin color. You know, it was like the freedom to do whatever, all these colors you want. Um, this was still like probably 95, 96 or something. And the Finn guy there, Ernie Higgins, who's also one of my uh, mentors, um, he shortly after I got into uh, uh, laminating, I was also doing ding, ding stuff at my house and glassing a few boards because it's hard not to and I just wanted to get the experience and I was just fired up um, but actually I actually uh, you know Peter at the time he had a like back I don't know at, like during that era like b- backyard guys were it was almost like the overseas board building oh, right okay. you know because like you had the big shops they were paying permits and they had this and that and workman's comp and then all these little backyard guys were like undercutting the big shops so okay. that those were like the bad guys at, at that moment and um and when peter found out that i was glassing boards at my house like he freaked out and we, i got fired oh no and it was like the worst day of my life yeah. you know because i'd already been like super committed to this i was like oh man but i you know i totally knew i understood why but at the same time it's like man how do you not you know i'm like i i was doing it for for the experience mm-hmm. and to just learn how to do this um but that only lasted like 24 hours or something you know we like worked it out afterwards he saw <laughs> the error of his ways well yeah and so did i you know <laughs> yeah i mean i totally get it you know yeah um uh, i lost my train of thought no we were getting <laughs> to how how you met jeff oh yeah yeah so anyways uh I have to ask. it's kind of a process i think um so Ernie Higgins was opening up his own shop and there wasn't no way in hell that I was going to have a full-time job as a laminator at Moonlight because Gary was just a beast. You know, he had, I mean, I, I would help him out, but then it would, it, when it would slow down, um, I wouldn't have that work anymore. So I saw like, oh man, if I'm going to be a laminator, I can't really stick around here, you know? Um, nor did I want to like, you know, that's his yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. So when Ernie decided to go um, start his own place, again, I think that was like life number two for his, he used to own a shop called Waterlines. Um, and he was gonna open it again, and it was down here in San Diego, which is where I lived. Sure. So I was like, oh, perfect. And so he offered me the spot of the head laminator or to have a full-time job. So I came down with him there, and I met actually Rich Pavel. Okay. Uh, he actually, because at the time um, we were doing mainly clear production, high performance short boards, okay. rusties, you know, whatever it was. The color thing wasn't even, it wasn't, I mean, it was like people were doing color work on weekends, it was like a side project. You know, you do your like 10 clear, 10 or 15 clear laminations a day, but your resin tint cool stuff was done only on like Sunday or Saturday. Hmm. Um, but I was su- that's what I wanted to do but it just wasn't there wasn't enough of it sure and then when I met when we came down and worked at Waterlines um, I met Toby he was shaping there and he's bringing us boards and he's actually the first guy that gave me um, he just let me add it with his boards and doing color 
and I just kind of, you know, probably hacked out a bunch of color boards for him. I yeah. have no idea what they look like anymore. Um, and that led me to uh, to Joel Tudor. Okay. That's how I met Joel. Um, it was before he, I think it was about the time he was thinking about starting his own uh, uh, label. He was still kind of writing for Donald. Um, he got a brewer board shaped and we glossed it at Waterlines. Um, so I met him then and then and then like he's you know fast forward to him starting a surfboard label and I went back up to, to North County to work for Tom Everly uh, you know I mean long story short I went from Waterlines to there met Joel got his company uh, he brought his company there um, and then I met Jeff through Joel okay through I can't remember if it was uh, I think he was just about to start Kookbox okay and Jeff was one of the shapers that he that he tapped into Um, and I needed some extra work and I remember I was like bugging Joel I was like hey put me in contact with Jeff and I think he needed a a laminator so he was kind of doing the same thing and that's how he that was a connection it um so much of the work that I'm your work that I'm familiar with now is color work and um, it's interesting to hear you say that that wasn't even a part of the surf world back at that time no not really doing clear not at all you know was it mainly like high performance shortboards and and if you're getting get color it was like airbrush oh you know so I mean I credit Joel Tudor um, with sort of like bringing that style back because there was guys doing it you know like one one or two boards here and there you know but Joel actually was like I want to start a surfboard company that has nothing but like the the traditional method of the 70s 60s whatever resin color gloss polish pin lines all these things Um, and he just like went for it you know and uh I mean, he went around to all these shops all around Southern California when, when he was trying to get his boards done, and shops left and right were like, "Oh man, we don't have the, we don't have the the uh, capacity to do your boards," you know, like, or they'd try to talk him out of doing resin color by, mm-hmm. "Well, let's do some of them, and other ones we could do with airbrush." Yeah. And it wasn't until he came to Tom Everly's place um, that, um, you know. Tom Everly was like, sure, we can do it all. You know, let's, let's, it was, I don't know, it was just perfect timing. Sure. It wasn't like we were some talent, super crazy glass shop that only did this. Like we hadn't done it yet, but we wanted to, okay. you know. Um, it seems like um, the bottleneck for so much of the surf industry or board building industry is like those glass shops need to do volume to yeah. make a living yeah. but then once they're doing volume they don't want to do anything outside of the normal workload they don't want to do channels they don't want to do color they don't want to do any extra work yeah because it's going to affect the number of boards that go through the factory right which is really short-sighted yeah because that's a crazy that's a crazy situation to be in or you know just charge more yeah for the added work yeah you know seems simple but i don't know the surf industry oftentimes i think know, a lot of i think that's that's kind of going away and I think a yeah. lot of shop a lot more shops now are are 
I mean, they've been changing, so there's a there's some really good shops out there now. There know? really are. You yeah. guys leading the charge, I think. And then there's also clientele that's willing to pay for that now. Mm-hmm. You know, like not everybody's asking for a bro deal. People actually want quality. Yeah. So. Well, there's still the bro deal people. <laughs> there's plenty of that. Um, so let's we will let's get into board building. Um, we'll talk about technique and more of that kind of color work, but. Let's focus on materials for a second. Again, simplifying the conversation for the listener, having never heard a laminator before. Yeah. Fi- there's fiberglass. The you get the shaped blank. There's fiberglass cloth. Yeah. That you wrap it with essentially, yeah. and then the resin is a liquid chemical that then oh, hardens oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So. What are your preferred materials to work with? Is there a type of cloth, a brand of cloth, a type of resin, a brand of resin? Um, help delineate some of these things. I mean, I just use the standard resin right now um, is Silmar, Silmar resin. Um, I don't really mess with epoxy okay. at all. Um, so polyester If the resin. time ever comes, then I'm totally down. But right now, I mean, I, I know a lot of guys that have worked in both and they end up getting like allergic to the epoxy. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they can't work with it. So I don't know. My theory is if I ever, because I'm just, I, I see no need for it personally. You know, it's cool that people are doing it, um, but I'm too busy doing my stuff, which is with polyester resin. It's not like um, all, all of a sudden I have no work and I'm like, oh man, what's you know, what's going on? I guess I should switch over to epoxy. If that time ever comes, and I will, but I just don't want to do both simultaneously. Is, there, is that that decision seems like it's based on your history of working with it? Is there any um, performance differences that would make you want to use epoxy over? Um, a good portion of my work is. Uh, lately has been like logs you know like like long boards yeah all kinds of long boards um and that that whole scene seems to be sticking with okay polyester resin volan cloth you know uh, stuff like that what's unless it's unless it's like high performance long board that you know these guys are on tour with doing off the lips and aerials with and they want like a five pound long board but that's different what's volan cloth um, it's an older cloth. Uh, you know, I'm, I've never really been like a full tech guy as far as like, I can't, I can't tell you all these, the chemical breakdowns and all this stuff. But, um, to my understanding, Volan was like a boat cloth. Um, and at the moment I can't remember if it's either, uh, rinsed or non-rinsed in a certain wash to give it like this greenish, you know, color to it. Um, I believe it's a little stronger. It seems to be. Yeah, yeah than regular. And we actually have, uh, we have four ounce Volan, six ounce Volans, and eight and ten ounce Volan. Um, and I've glassed my own boards with the four ounce Volan. It kind of lasts a little longer than re- than regular four ounce. Okay. Yeah. And what's regular four ounce? What are the other like, types of cloth? There, well, there's silene cloth, um, and that's I mean, uh, yeah, um, four ounce E. And then there's, uh, well, there's, there's E-glass, there's warp glass, there's S-glass. Um, and, I mean, I could tell you how I, how I sandwich the different yeah. uh, glasses, let's, but let's it's kind of like, 
That's kind of like my, my little secret. Oh, okay. By all <laughs> means, keep it. Let me ask you this then. You, you mentioned four ounce, six ounce. Uh, ounces is the weight based on what size? Yeah. Is it four ounces based on per square foot? Yeah. Or, okay, got it. So thinner or lighter I cloth, could, I medium cloth. I could be cloth. wrong on that. Like I said, like, um, I don't know exactly what entitles it four ounce. I probably sound like a big moron right now. but No, I mean, everybody yeah. just refers to it as yeah, the ounces. But yeah. yeah, I think it might be per square foot. Yeah. Um, so four ounce being kind of the lightest option but of cloth. They six actually ounce. have lighter stuff than that. But oh, they do. It, it starts to get really hard to hand laminate it. And it's more for like... Um, like circuit boards and stuff. They have like half ounce cloth even. Got it. Two ounce cloth. Okay. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, what kind of colors are you using? Are they, like, obviously resin um, tints and pigments? Mm -hmm. From where do you have preferred supplier of any of that stuff? Or? I'm using pretty much all of it is from Fiberglass Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. It seems, like they, it seems like they once they came along with... Um, they have a whole bunch of colors. Uh, they're really nice tints. Um, but it used to be sporadic, you know? It used to be like you get, you get like your opaques from a certain company like Revchem. Um, certain tints you'd get from this old company called Hastings. I don't, I don't I believe they're not in business anymore. Okay. Um, and then there was another one. Uh, there was an old surfboard supplier called Ashland and I think uh, Ryan from Surf Supply sort of I, I can't remember if he worked for them but they shut down Surf Supply came up and they had they had another uh, color company called Kurox and they were pretty cool too for a while um, but seems like Fiberglass Hawaii just kind of came in and, and, and 
took over because they have some really good products as far as like all their their colors they also i'm sure i think are um formulating all those colors for the surf industry yeah. specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. which i don't know if that was the case previously i don't know what the colors from those other companies would have been made for i mean they were made probably for surfboards and boats too. okay for yeah. the marine yeah. industry at least yeah. okay but they were all made to mix with polyester and epoxy you okay know. yeah some some of them come you can you can mix them in both okay um <clears throat> we're talking about technique we're talking about the materials I want to know how these things translate in the water to performance in a surfboard. Obviously, we're all familiar with getting a brand new board and having that board feel very fresh, lively, yeah. have a lot of pop. And then we're familiar with a board that's dead after you've had it for a long period of time. I mentioned to you earlier that Maurice Cole, I think it's Maurice Cole who this quote is attributed to, yeah. talking about uh, how a board is at its best just before the thing delaminates. Yeah. So like you've gotten used to it. Some of the structural components start to break down, but before the thing goes completely dead is when it feels the most responsive yeah. the right, or the right degree of responsiveness and liveliness. I don't know if he might have said that quote in the 70s and I don't know if he would stand <laughs> by it today. You know, It makes, no, it's totally true. Is it yeah. true? Is that yeah. how you feel too? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's, it's weird. It's like surfboards have a life, you know? Um, and I think, I mean, there's, he's got a, that's a, that's a valid statement, you know, for sure. I guess what I, I think a while though a while ago um, things kind of took a turn for the worse man like I mean so when I started at Moonlight like a standard surfboard you want you came in you paid for a glass job um, it got finished out and what I mean by that is the board got every step it needed you know it got a gloss coat and that's a crucial step in my opinion um, but somewhere along the line like people wanted what the pros were writing well the pros get sand only sanded finished boards you know um, and they're riding them just for a few months and they break down so much faster than if you were to finish it off with a finishing resin like a gloss coat like and I think that's really important and I remember um, it was towards towards the tail end of me working at Moonlight um, uh, a big surfboard company they sent out a fax <laughs> to all the shops that said they didn't want to do gloss coats anymore. Standard is now sand finish. They wanted the laps, which we can get to why, but the laps were to be a half inch. They wanted to cut all the weight out, out of the board. But these were boards getting sold to the public because this is what people wanted. They want what Kelly Slater's writing. They want what Rob Machado's writing. You know, but they're going to pay retail price for a board that's going to fall apart. Right. You know, maximum you could, if you take care of it, you might be able to get a year out of it. But if you surf every day and you're kind of, you know, if you don't take care of it that well, you leave it in a hot car yeah. or whatever, you don't fix your dings that much, it's going to break down a lot faster. Especially if you're doing a, sh a shitty, you know, lamination or the sander is a little heavy on it. Um, but yeah, I think, and that's kind of when things took a turn for the worse. Yeah, in, in my opinion, there was a that was a clear break to me from how things were going to all of a sudden it opens the door for why are we paying this much money for these crap boards? You know, right. where you can buy a surf tech. Right. 
Can you explain what a hot, hot coat is? Hot coat is basically, so after I laminate a board, all it is is like, it looks like it's got like a burlap texture. You okay. know, it's got the, it's got the, the texture of, of the fiberglass weave, but it's like clear, you know, it's like, you can see the blank and it needs to be, it, like the Australians call it a fill coat. So you just paint the resin on, it hardens, and then you sand that back to what the shaper intended. You know, the so board it, to look like all the edges and all that kind of stuff. It's a different type of resin it's than was same used. Resin. It's, it's just, the same exact resin. There's a just surfacing an added agent, look. yeah, which is like a wax. It's added to it. And that fills in all that weave mm -hmm. and lays flat and smooth. Yeah. Got just, it. You just pa paint it on and it, it levels out and, you know, you it's it turns into a surfboard. You Got know, it. Where you, you can take it out and ride it. Okay. Got it. Um so I guess that in regard to that Maurice Cole quote, my question to you as the laminator is, why not try to finish a board in the condition that Maurice is talking about rather than, I don't know. Yeah, some guys do that. Do they? So I think maybe what he's talking about is at, at that moment, you've ridden that board for a while. You got your foot wells, your dents in there, and it's it fits like a glove, you know? And then after a while... It's so dented in that, I mean, it just starts to, it just pops off because it's, right. you know. The, the lamination separates from the foam, essentially. Yeah, and that could be cause, you know, some people are like, oh, my board delamed, it was a shitty lamination, but they don't realize, like, maybe you left it in a hot sun, you know, because that, that could do it easily. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe you left it in the, in the hot sun or in your car, it bakes, the stuff expands, and it just rips off the, the glass. Um but maybe he, uh, maybe that's what he's talking about, like right before that happens. And yeah, it makes sense. Like the board's still solid. I mean, but that's just, that's what we're all after to like keep, keep that going. But going back to your question, um, there are a few shapers that already, they're shaping in like the footwells already. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen uh, Brian Chismansky do it. Um, he's, he's, uh, He's the owner of Dinking. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know. Um, and who else? Uh, I've seen, I think I've seen Stu Kenson do it too. Yeah. I, um, I've seen a few guys do that. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty smart. Just recently I've heard, um, Tom Curran talking about, you know, riding that skimboard. And one of the benefits of it is that his feet are closer to the water than they've mm -hmm. ever been before. And I've never thought about that element before. I just think of thickness and volume um, being more for the design itself rather than the placement of my feet to the water surface, you know, yeah. but he's like talking about like how that affects his surfing. And so I wonder if you can actually make a real surfboard, not a, a skim board, or if the benefit of those foot wells isn't necessarily to do with the structural components of the board breaking down. It might actually have to do with your feet being closer to the water surface in that scenario. So if you could just shape them in, yeah. retain the board structure of being brand new and still get the same performance benefit. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never had good luck. I, I've ridden a few boards that had like concave on the deck. So yeah, you're closer to the water and I, I didn't like them at all. Really? Yeah, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely no nowhere near Tom Curran or, sure. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that they love that feeling. Um, 
but I can't really speak about it because I've, I've, every time I've tried one, I didn't like it right. at all. Um, you've been in the game for quite a while, and you talk about when Joel Tudor, Tudor came along bringing this kind of throwback style of um, color, Volan, yeah. all that sort of stuff. What's been the best addition to laminating since you've been in the game? Is there a certain material that's come along that's kind of revolutionized thing or ma- things or maybe a process that's vastly improved? You know what? I mean, what we do is just strictly traditional. There's no, there's nothing futuristic about it, you know? Um, so, uh, like, you asked me earlier about which fiberglass I use. Um, I used to use, uh, what was it called? JPS and then I loved that for a while but then you know like little imperfections started happening so I moved over to a different company called uh, Aerolite Um, and that was good for I mean we were using that for years and then all of a sudden something happened and they you know every other role I'd have to send it back Hmm. because it'd be like some weird like a misweave or like a knot and that stuff shows up when you add resin color to it just looks like shit you know Mm. so right now i'm currently using white line um and i'm pretty sure it's it's uh it's a korean cloth south i think it's made in south korea Hmm. but it's right now it's the most consistent glass you know um i rarely have problems with it so so the biggest variation with the different cloths is just the consistency of the weave itself cosmetically you know for like doing a nice a, a nice color lamination i mean okay. structurally I, it, I don't think it really matters they're all pretty similar like a, yeah they're all they're all pretty similar okay so this is just to get you know someone just paid skip fry their arm and a leg for a shape and they bring it to me and you know the last thing you want to do is like use some glass that's gonna like mess up you know the whole color right. of their board like, right they'd be bummed they just paid a lot of money for it completely so but yeah so right now i'm just that's i'm using that uh that that company that um white line isn't it interesting that for the past 50 plus years i mean i don't know mid 50s early 60s we started making boards with polyurethane foam fiberglass cloth and polyester resin and today it's still the best combination of materials to use yeah i mean i'm i'm not sure if it's the the best but it you know um i think we've been using it for so long that we just have it super dialed do you You think there's inherent i mean actually back then bob simmons was already experimenting with epoxy and you know doing like sandwich construction so that stuff's been around a long time too right yeah but still never really took it's still a second you know a second option it's the default option is the poly stuff yeah um do you have any expectations for what the next big thing would be or is there anything on the horizon that material or otherwise that you're looking at that would revolutionize board building um i mean it's probably right here we just haven't used it yet you know (laughs) yeah do you think a lot I mean, you said um, it might not be the best, but it's what we're familiar with. Are there inherent well, performance no, I, I, I benefits? Think, I, I think it's very, it's, 
you know, there's a lot of really good things. I, I'm not saying that it's inferior, um, but it is inferior. I think if you if you build it a certain way, like how all these uh, you know high performance shortboard companies, how they want you to build their boards. Um, I think it's it's inferior. Like you said, for without that, the for hot sure. coat and stuff. Well, no, 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 without like a gloss coat. Got it. Um, with short laps, you know, just super light. Right. I think what the gl- and I'll I'll explain about the gloss. I think what the gloss does is just it extends the board's life. Okay. Um, and I'm a firm believer in that. I I gloss all my own boards, and the weight and the life of the board lasts so much longer. It you know it's. It'll be like years before it has that dead feeling. Hmm. Where if I just do a board sand finish, um, I mean it's got that dead feeling pretty soon. Pretty really? like like with like within a year, it just has this like, like just, you're thinking about the next one. What? Can but that's just the the nature of the beast, right? I sure. Mean, surfboards have lives. Yeah. It's not going to last forever. Sure. Logs do though. Yeah, they you, last forever. Yeah, I mean, longboards, you know, you glass a thing with 10-ounce Volan, and that thing's going to last forever. Um, for listeners who don't live locally or don't have access to your boards, what are some things that they can look for or uh, look for in terms of if they want to get a quality board from their local shop, let's say, are there any indicators where they can go in on the rack and identify some of these things that you're talking about? Um, well, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, um, if you don't know if your board's been glossed or, um, I mean, so, so if you have like a colored, like a color, like a resin color board, you could see if the thing, it's all right there in black and white, you know, if, if the thing's been sanded through on the lap, you could see the discoloration. Okay. So you're looking for consistency um, in the color saturation and yeah, and it's a lot harder to tell on a clear board, you know, because like you could fix all that stuff. Um, it's kind of a it's it's sort of a like you're it's, it's, it it would be kind of hard for the most part for someone that doesn't really know how to how to look at it if you're if the thing's going to fall apart or not. I mean, it's kind of hard for me sometimes. Is it? Yeah. I mean, if you don't know the process, if you didn't see how it got laminated or how the guy mixed his the resin, um, all all that stuff, it could all it could all just be hidden. Why do you think laminators have been so anonymous in the process? Like, obviously the client that we're talking about can go in and look at the board on the shelf and identify which shape or shape to the board yeah. and associate that with some level of quality or whatever. Why can't they see who did the other processes of the board? Why have you guys stayed so anonymous is the question. Because the shapers didn't want us down. <laughs> <laughs> the shapers are stealing all the limelight. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I mean, they have, you know, but yeah. I feel like it's because yeah. the laminators have allowed them to, you yeah. know, like, yeah. Oh, you're probably right. I mean, there are um, there are some glass shops that do put their laminate their, their label on there, yeah, on yeah. it, yeah. But that's kind of a newer thing too. I feel like. No, it's been around. Like Moonlight's always had their have they? their their laminate. Yeah, they used to have the old frog, and now yeah. it's like the little oval. Well, it's I mean, a little they, quality they use both. indicator, you know. Yeah. It's kind of just a like a 
a blue collar job, you know? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all um, it is. So we're not like looking for any recognition and stuff, but it is nice to um, to be known for doing good work. Are there any misconceptions that exist in the marketplace that you would like to correct? It kind of goes back to that comment where I think we, I think in general, like surfboards, surfboard construction took a wrong turn when the, you know, when they decided to do away with certain steps, whether they're trying to streamline it or get the thing lighter or um, save, you know, save some money. But I think it's really important uh, to finish out the surfboard and get a fucking gloss coat on it, you know, uh, and complete the process, you know, or, I mean, I guess that's where like the whole, uh, like the epoxy market comes in. Cause you don't really need to do that with that. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I guess you should, but, um, yeah. Is that because the epoxy resin fills in it's the a, weave? more fully well it's a it's a it's a little stronger okay not much i mean epoxy boards break all the time sure yeah so so back to uh cover our steps in terms of quality consistency in the fiberglass weave itself from the supplier from the raw material supplier fully saturated like you said but not overly fully saturated like just the right amount of saturation yeah consistently filling in all the weave and then a gloss coat. Those are the keys. Well, I mean, the whole the whole process, like a nice tight lamination, a good hot coat, and a, a really good sander. You know, because the minute he burns into the weave, it causes a weak point. Um, it also starts with the blank. You know, if you get a shitty blank, where. Uh, you know, the guy didn't mix it right or, or whatever. It's like a weird inconsistency in, in the foam. Um, I mean, you could put as much glass as you want on something like that. It's going to break or it's going to delam, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, I've, you know, it's almost like an egg. You could put like, you know, 10 layers of 10 ounce Volan glass on an egg, but it's still going to break because sure. it's just an egg. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's nothing to it. <laughs> right. Um, you have a partnership with Visla. Yeah, man. That's been pretty cool. You're the um, only laminator that's on their team, right? Yeah. As far as I know? Yeah. How did it's that something, come about? It's something like you dream about, you know? Yeah. You're like, because it goes back to what you're saying. Like, you know, like no one knows who glassers are, but, exactly. you know, we, we do a whole lot, you know? So it's always, you know, I've always joked around with, with uh with co-workers like man we need to get sponsored yeah. for doing this you know this is a whole performance you know um how did that but happen? then all of a sudden they came along uh i it happened through jeff because he's got he's became part of their um creators and in- innovator program yep. which is them kind of sponsoring guys that you know whether they're shapers or like me a glasser or uh i forget the one dude that does like the woodwork stuff Oh yeah, Danny uh, Hess. Yeah, no, no, and then the other guy that does like the trailers out of wood and stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah, Jay yeah. Nelson yeah. maybe. Yeah, so they they just do cool stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
and they wanted to get a uh, laminator on there or you know someone someone like that so i think jeff had a lot to do with that so thank you jeff how does that <laughs> relationship work what do they expect of you and what do you um expect from them i don't expect anything from them really <laughs> yeah, well, it works I out mean, well for them <laughs> i mean it's you know they it's it's pretty cool they they just they um they support me as far as like you know they clothes and stuff like that so it's it's cool um for me they get um like we've done a few runs of uh like prints where so the first one was you know i i do the stripes the the uh, faded stripes on boards mm -hmm. and they did like a run of shirts and shorts okay from it um the next one is um we did uh you know so they'll take a piece of like resin color uh or like an abstract or resin art let's just say that and they'll make t-shirts out of it got it um so that that's how it works and they do they put your name on it i give you artist credit i i think they do actually i have i the couple of um items that i've gotten from them i just give them to my dad really or i give them, yeah i just give them away <laughs> to, to my brother yeah yeah um i think it's really rad that they're doing that like I no it's really cool it's just so to, cool yeah I feel like... Um, Just to give attention to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, so much of the surf industry... Well, magazines will be, like, very kind of high-performance, shortboard-focused for so long, you know? Or, or brands themselves. Like, those are the only athletes that they sponsor. That's the only thing they promote. And I think that, um, by and large, the industry has underestimated yeah. surfers interest in other things yeah. you know and not just other types of surfing but other types of photography other types of art and if they put that stuff in their magazines or if they shine the light on it they would really open up a lot larger clientele than what they currently have you know like i stopped caring about high performance shortboarding yeah a long time ago but i yeah. still buy the magazines because it's like oh that's my only option really yeah. you know yeah you want to see the pictures yeah you know? so it's so bravo to visla for like tapping yeah. into that honoring it and then sharing it with people you know yeah no it's been it's been amazing for them to do that yeah i i couldn't i mean it's yeah you, know, you know like i said i used to dream we used to dream about it all the time so, it's crazy yeah um how closely do you follow professional surfing whether it be the ct or just other aspects of professional surfing um i follow it actually do you yeah yeah i mean i'm not i don't have like a fantasy team or anything like that bummer you could join my league <laughs> yeah um but i do watch the uh contests i mean it's cool to see what these guys are doing you know it's it's fun it's fun to watch it's kind of boring when the waves aren't that good sure um but it's still it's still you know pretty exciting to to, to see stuff go down you know when guys light up and yeah. all of a sudden they're on a tear um or when yeah. guys choke and <laughs> you know they get beat by somebody that they shouldn't you know yeah. it's pretty cool too i mean that that final exchange at the pipe masters between jeremy flores and john john florence yeah that was like amazing the pinnacle of yeah. our sport yeah, it's that, like that what was you amazing. want you know <laughs> um i was so i was so stoked for um for um jeremy were you yeah yeah i mean i was rooting for i'm a i'm a jj fan yeah. for sure so i was rooting for i was like oh the kid's gonna do it you know he's gonna get his title and the pipe master finally yeah and then jeremy just got that sick one at the end 
and it was just done deal like wow how does that happen (laughs) i feel the same way as you where it's like of course i prefer john john yeah but he's already got the title so it's kind of nice to spread the love and like jay flow in it but also jay jeremy 16 seconds left yeah yeah you need a big score pulled a rabbit out of it does it yeah so you gotta you gotta (laughs) applaud that no for sure yeah yeah Oh, I was like, I was freaking out when, when that happened. I, I saw, I saw the wave too. And I was like, this guy's going to get it. Really? And, and as he was getting to his feet, you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Dude, I was at Costco with the, with watching the stream <laughs> on my phone when that went down, <laughs> I had to pick up Christmas cards that were being printed. And it was yeah. like, I have to go right now. I can't stay home and watch the final, but I watch it on my phone at Costco. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's fun. I, I definitely watch it. Yeah. Um, what other surf media do you follow? Do you actually subscribe to any magazines? Every year, my mom, for Christmas, she renews my subscription to uh, Surfer's Journal. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only magazine you get? Yeah. Why don't you get the others? I used to. I just don't really anymore. Um, sometimes I'll buy a surfer mag at, at the store. Based on what? It's, if, the there's a, if there's a cool article in it, you know. Um, but I basically, I mean, everything, you can kind of go on their website and see, see what, what's going to come out. But I think it's important to c- continue putting out those magazines, though, for Is sure. It? Yeah, I, I think so. It's cool. Um, Maybe just because it was a part of my upbringing, right. my, my childhood, so I'm kind of nostalgic about it. I'm not sure if other kids feel like that now. That's yeah. what I'm curious about. Yeah. That's why I'm asking because yeah. I don't I don't subscribe either. Right. And it and it was a huge part of my youth and it's like why don't I A lot of times I didn't buy them too because we like the shop would get one. Right. So it would be on the on the table and then like, you know, so you're you're reading it but you're not actually pr- purchasing it or right. What media do you follow? Do you, are there any websites that you check daily or With the exception of Surfline? just to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the only... Uh, sometimes I'll go on the forum of, of Surfer Mag. Oh, yeah. Um, if, I don't know, sometimes like if something crazy happens in a contest, like, I don't know, like a, some drama happened, like a, someone got an interference and I don't know what happened, I'll just go on there and see if, if they're talking about it just to kind of see what happened, you know? Yeah. Um, or I'll go on the on the design forum just to see what people are talking about. The design forum on uh, Surfer on, Mag's on web? Surfer Mag, yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's, but that's rare. I, I don't really go on there that much. That message board is something I don't check often enough. Yeah. Enough, people bring it up to me occasionally, and it seems like there's a real active community there. There is, of yeah. Of knowledgeable yeah. people. It's been around for a while. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's still like the format of it is so old school yeah. <laughs> that I'm like waiting for somebody to come along and like do a better version than theirs or for them to update theirs. Yeah. Looks like it's out of like 1998 or something. <laughs> I think it is, right? It is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like the other, I mean, I basically wake up and I, I check the cams and then I, I check my little Tide app and that's pretty much it. Which... um surfers are you most excited to watch if if a web edit pops up like who will you stop everything to watch oh man there's there's a bunch um let's see i guess the newest set you know for me the newest guy recently that i I like to watch uh is the australian guy torin love him yeah 
super cool. Torin Martin. Yeah, his he's got a really cool style. Um, it's really refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Like there's an element of like very traditional surfing that he's doing. Yeah. Mixed but with those boards that he's riding are crazy too. You what's know? he What's he riding? He's riding uh, Morning of the Earth boards, and I don't know who's shaping him. But it's just crazy that on some of those waves that he's riding, like Desert Point and all, he's riding like a 610 twin fin round pin or something. And I've seen that he tags Morning of the Earth surfboards. Is it based on the film? Is there... Yeah, I think it's got something to do with that. I mean, it would have to. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not only a reference to, but there would have to be some... You can't just... Legally, you can't just use that name. I would think that there has to be a family member involved in the building of the boards. Well, I think uh, what's uh, what's the guy that made Morning of Earth? Uh, Al- Albi? Al- Faison. Yeah. Albi yeah. Faison? I think he's got something to do with it. Okay. I'm not sure, though. Yeah. But I believe he does. I've also seen him doing, like, really radical nose riding in the barrel on maybe not that same board you're talking about, but shorter fishes. Yeah. yeah. Like... Yeah, backside. the way he like side slips into the barrel backside is is crazy to me. It, it's so sick. Yeah. Does he have sponsors? I would hope so. <laughs> I, I don't see any stickers on his. He board. should be. <laughs> like, what's he doing? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, really rad. Who else? Um, Ryan Birch is always really fun to watch. Yeah. How's it been with him working with him on his board? Oh, great! Yeah. yeah. Am- amazing. Yeah. Those. Him and his partner Scott run a super solid business. Okay, I don't know yeah. Scott. It's his business assistant. It's like his right hand man out here, as far as his, his surfboards go. Is he shaping or just doing the business? No, operations? no, he's just helping Ryan. Okay, yeah, like you know, so that all Ryan does is shape. So Scott like runs his whole deal. Is Ryan building a lot of boards? He's building quite a few. I think he, he could build more. <laughs> I feel like if he wanted to, he could be busy yeah. all the time. No, I, I mean. Like, the future's his. The yeah. kid's an incredible shaper. Right. And he's an incredible surfer. Right. I mean, that's like a recipe for, like, I mean, it's almost like he's like the next in line of, like, Skip Fries or mm-hmm. Mark Richards. Um, and there's, like, Ryan Birch. I mean, the, he's a really good shaper, and He's just going to get better and better. Have you ridden any of his boards? No. Why not? Um, well, I'm actually, I'm talking to him about getting one i just don't i've never really been a fish guy oh okay i've always ridden like little single fins um or a thruster but i've never really gotten into like short little fishes Hmm. um every time i get one i end up selling it because i just don't really connect with them Hmm. but i'm talking to him about making like a long fish so we'll see if it happens awesome yeah um who are the laminators that you look up to and why? Well, there's uh, there's a whole bunch of those guys, too. Um, some of them I've never met, like um, Wayne that used – well, he still does, but um, glasses for Donald Takayama. He was, like, my Instagram when I was starting out, you know. He was, like – there was – the only way to go see what other people were doing was to go to surf shops. So I would go um, and check out – what he was doing he was the only other guy really that was doing color work um that would have him in surf shops you know where you could go see him and his were by far the best hmm. what's his last name i can't remember right now all right wayne uh, at donald takiyama yeah right. yeah 
Um, See, that's what I'm talking about. You guys don't. You so little. <laughs> you get so little credit. You don't I've even know each other's last names. I've never met him too. You know, it's which crazy. is funny because he's yeah. nearby. Yeah. Um, I just never had the opportunity to, to stop by or, or, you know, had the chance to run into him. But he was a huge inspiration. Um, Jack Reeves in Hawaii. And then close to me, uh, you know, uh, Gary Stuber. Um, and Greg Martz, too, up at Waterman's Guild. Yep. Um, I've, I haven't seen... I talked to Greg on the phone quite a bit. Um, but I haven't yet been up to... Well, actually, I, I met him once a long time ago. I was up there looking for work. Uh, but they didn't need a guy at the moment. This was, I think, 04 or 03 or something. I don't know, when I was working up in... I think we talked about it earlier, when I was working, uh, you know, doing Dano boards. Mm-hmm. They're glassing a board for me right now, actually. Waterman's. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Who else... Um, Yeah, those those guys for sure. And then I mean there's a whole there's a whole young generation coming up that are all pretty good, you know. Uh my uh my resin brother, uh Nainoa, um he's laminating for uh, Christensen now. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was like my one and only protege slash ap- apprentice like uh back in the day. But oh. he's 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 super super good too. I was actually going to ask you that. Do you have kids coming around the shop asking to learn? Not that, not as much as you'd think, you know. Um, uh, I know of, that was pretty much it, but that was a long time ago. It seems wide open. Yeah, it it does. That's kind of a, that's sort of a problem, at least down here for us. Um, There's not a lot of kids that are want to come up and, and start at the bottom and just work their way through the shop. And I think it's important to, uh, you know, to come in as a shop rat and, you know, know, have the job of, you know, just doing whatever needs to get done, whether it's throwing the trash out. But those, that very beginning, it kind of puts you in line to start learning all these little things. Right. Um, It seems like a lot of kids nowadays just want to come in and just be instant shapers. Or they want to, like... Uh, you know, they just, it's, it's weird. I mean, I'm not saying there's none of them out there, but it seems less and less. I mean, we live in surf central of the world in terms of board builders, the industry and brands and everything. So you would think there would just be hordes of people lining up, trying to get access to all the most important people. And it's really bizarre that there aren't. We we had a hard time getting a sander, really, at, at our shop. Yeah, and like, like the ones we have, they're busy at other shops. So it it took a while to to find one that could dedicate their time to our shop. But it's crazy how, you know, you'd think like there'd be like a a line out the door of like yeah. people wanting to, but yeah, it's not really like that. Does, now I, I it could be different in Orange County. I have no idea. No, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does your guy's shop have a name? I think legally it's called Mac Glass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no it's sign like, or anything yeah, yeah. like that, you know, which I've obviously never, stands for McCallum. Yeah, Callum I've only Glass, heard so. people reference it as like, yeah, McCallum, McCallum's boards yeah. or whatever. Like I've never heard anybody refer to the glass shop itself. But you're obviously glassing other people's boards, so it warrants having its own 
you know, business name. Yeah. Um, so you can brand it and get it out there. And not that you need more business, but, yeah. um, um, I, yeah. And, um, what else? Yeah. I mean, oh, there's so many, I'm, I'm probably forgetting people that, I, that I look up to as well. Um, yeah. If you could order a board from anybody in the world, what would you order and who from? Um, I would, I would love to get, uh, I would love to get Jerry Lopez to make me a single fin. He did a few for Joel a long ass time ago. Um, and I glassed them and they were, they were just beautiful. Were they? Yeah. Um, he would be someone I'd, I'd be into it. Um, what kind of a single fin? Just his like lightning bolt style. Pipeliner. Yeah. Like, um, who else? Neil Purchase Jr. would be someone that I would like to get a board out of too. What would you get yeah. from him? Um, I'm not sure. I, he he was making these little like, I think they're single fins or maybe like a two plus one. That they look really nice though. Hmm. I don't know how often he comes over here though. He was here not not that long ago. Yeah. Um, what about who him? Else, what about uh, his boards? Makes you want one of those. Um. The outlines look really nice, and the rails feel pretty good on them. Okay. Yeah. I'm big on stuff. You know, if it feels good, then it must ride good, right? Like, it's like funny. My, like, one of my favorite shapers is Malcolm Campbell. Oh, yeah. And I've always, from the time I started working at Moonlight, because they used to do a lot of his, uh, pretty much almost all his bonzers and all his boards there, and always used to just drool on his rails and the way they felt under the arm and the way he'd foiled out, you know, like the way the foam was distributed yeah yeah that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> well it's funny that under the arm test thing is so true and yeah. it, it, it's not something that you could even like communicate over a podcast to a listener like hey yeah. feel for this yeah it's just you put it under the arm and the way the weight is distributed and hangs in your arm yeah and yeah like you said the rail and the way it looks when you're looking down yeah, it's trippy how some boards they call for like like a little heavier but they still feel balanced when you hold mm -hmm. them under the arm so that's that's pretty important. Just have it all balanced out. Right. Uh, I feel like you could um, get that Jerry Lopez single finner if you wanted. Like, you got to have connections to him, right? If yeah. you wanted to track him down? Yeah, I think I could. Is he just taking orders? Or I, I have no idea. Is there a wait list? I have no idea if there is or not. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious about that. Um, who else? I'm like brain cramping right now. Well, you only get uh, one yeah. for this, no, just for this one? hypothetical okay. game, so you already picked. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably Jerry, because yeah. I don't have one, you know? Yeah. It's interesting how, like, so many of the biggest icons are still around. Yeah. Like, you can get a brewer, it's, you can get a skip fry. That's because we're, get, it's, it's so young, you Right. Know? The whole thing is so, it's still so, it's like a teenager. Or, totally. You know, preteen even. It is. Yeah. I feel like there will be a time hundred years from now, three generations from now, where these fries and Jerry Lopez boards will be the equivalent of, I don't know, some impressionist painter's artwork yeah. or something. Yeah, I think you know? so. Except it's functional. Yeah. It's functional artwork. That's why they need good glass jobs so they stick around for as That's long as possible. That's why you need possible. to put a laminate on there with your glass jobs <laughs> company, yeah, your brand name. <laughs> Super Wolf laminate. It could be, dude, it could be the wolf face with the cape. <laughs> Um, what's your current quiver look like? Uh, right now I've been riding, um, 
my 7.0 single fin uh, that Toby Pavel shaped, Rich Pavel. Yeah. And I haven't been able to get off that. Uh, Is it a newer board? or? He actually made it for me like 15 years ago. Wow. And I never wrote it for for a while. Just I'm not one of these guys that could like write a thruster and then tomorrow I'm going to write a single fin. And I would be a disaster if I were to do that, you know. Um, so I, I find a board, I like it, I get two or three that are similar, like a small wave version of it, a okay. big wave version of it, and then I just ride that till I'm just absolutely absolutely sick of it, you know, or I or I'm like ready for something different, and then I'll jump on that one. So right now I'm currently riding this uh, this single fin that that he made me, and it's beautiful. It's got wedge stringer and. Uh, it's similar to like a, a 70s kind of pipeline single fin board, but it's 7.0, kind of more for like California. Okay. Yeah. Do you it, ride it in all conditions? I ride it in pretty much everything unless it's, you know, small. Then okay. I have a little egg, this little like 610 egg uh, that I can ride in. Well, if it's like, if I'm going to go ride like La Jolla Shores or something, I'll ride my egg. I, I won't take my um, single fin. How many of Pavel's boards do you have? Right now, I only have one, but in the past, I've had a whole bunch. Are you? Um, are they all as amazing as? Uh, yeah, that? they've all worked really good. Do they? Yeah. That's what I've heard. And, and I've had all kinds. I've had, I've had, you know, six four thrusters from him, high, high performance. Um, I've had like six ten seven two, like you know, l- little wintertime blacks boards like hmm. that. I've had uh, single fins from them. They've everything works really good. Yeah. His strike rate seems really amazing. Yeah. Like even with shapers who I have gotten a lot of boards from that I love, there's still always some that I don't love as much as others. But everybody I talk to who's had his boards rave. Yeah. How do you have such access? Probably because I. Uh, I used to glass his boards. Does he? <laughs> and I've glassed his boards on and off for a long time, you know, uh, over the years. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, he's 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 a. I I consider him like a a big part of my, uh, you know, surfboard development. I guess. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, like I said, he he let me loose on all his boards before I even met Joel. Um, I was doing color boards on on uh rich's boards and then on and off you know and then he would be rich and he'd disappear somewhere like i don't know like europe or something and then he'd come back and you know all of a sudden he'd appear in this other glass shop that i'm working at like for example tom everly's Mm -hmm. so and then we were doing do you remember rainbow boards i mean not from where it started like mike henson but the new yeah version with johnny so um, we used to do a lot of those too okay um, if you wanted a board from him today, would you be able to get a hold of him and order he's in one Bali? Out? Yeah, I actually did. I reached out to him because I'm already thinking ahead of like I need a re- you know, not that my board needs any re- you know I have to replace it now, but I was just thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah. 
and he's he's in Bali now. So I don't know when he's going to come back. You, you never know with him. Well, that so that's why if I'm you say asking. his name three times in a row, though, <laughs> he, he might appear. See, I heard you had to be looking in a mirror and do three turns yeah. and say. Uh, I mean, it, we used to say that, and it actually worked. Did it really? Yeah, we'd say Toby, 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 rich, rich, rich. And yeah. there's like a puff of smoke, and he, and he shows would up. Just, seriously, he'd appear within an hour. It's fun. How dust. did you do that? Um, so the reason I ask about rich about you being able to order a board is all i hear is that he's super elusive and that like oh he's exact, very elusive and exactly what you just said like show up yeah. one day and he'll chat with you for three hours as if he has all the time in the world and then you can't get a hold of him again for a period of time and then if you do order a board don't expect it in any reasonable amount of time but or you might you you oh, might get it pretty fast okay you, you never know with him so I, that's what i was wondering if you're the only guy in the world who has him on dial that you can get aboard whenever you want that's what um, I was well wondering. i mean it'd be nice to do to think that but yeah that's not the, that's not the case i got most of the boards i got from him was when i was working at Waterlines, um and he was also shaping there okay so it was real easy you're right you know he had blanks and it was right there and we you know he'd be shaping and i'd be glassing and we'd be there for like eight or ten hours at a time so it was real easy to do that i got my single fin from him when i was working at channon which is now bing um and he was also shaping there and it's funny because he was shaping these these models i think he was calling it the sean thompson single fin because they were based on a on a sean thompson board or something uh, or reminded him of Sean Thompson's the blue like you know free ride boards oh, yeah. um, and he made me uh, he made these beautiful single fins and I was like oh man I would, I would love one of these you know he's oh, okay yeah yeah this was yours and then um, and then oh just don't glass it yet because I need to put your name on it so then the next day I'd come in excited to see the board and the board would be gone. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, you never know with him, you know, you're like, Oh man, where did it go? And then, um, and then he did an, another run and which is the one I currently have. And it was the same thing. Like rich, I want one of these, like, come on, like, can one of these be mine? I want this one. And he'd yeah. be like, sure, but I need to put your name on it. So, don't glass it. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not falling for that one again. <laughs> Sign it. Sign now. it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I ended up like glassing it real quick. And yeah. If you have a photo of that, send it to me so I can post it's it. In with... My car. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Let's yeah. grab a photo before yeah. we leave. My um, boards never leave my car. Dude, you're gonna delaminate them. <laughs> <laughs> I always. Uh, um, no, I, I have a garage at home. It's in the shade, and then at work, I leave all my windows down. So I'm pretty careful about leaving that in. in so for the listeners, that's the trick. Windows down and leave the car in the shade. If you're going to have to leave If it you're going to leave it in the, in the car, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I've killed so many boards, uh, you know, magic ones too, like just leaving it in the car. Yeah. What's your current relationship like with surfing? Um, I try to surf as much as possible. What yeah. does that equate to? Sometimes every day. Um, like I mean, today I didn't surf, but I was down at the beach checking it. It was it was micro. Yeah. Um. And uh, let me see. I didn't surf yesterday either. I try to leave Sundays for hanging out with my wife. What a nice because <laughs> I surf because I surf so much, you yeah. know. So, um, but yeah. So I 
I mean, my whole routine is I get up, I go to the beach, whether I look at the cams or not, and then either surf or decide, oh, it's not too good. Let me go into the shop. Life of the laminator is not too bad, man. <laughs> get to surf yeah, still. If I, if I, yeah, I mean, if I couldn't surf, I don't know if I could do it. It yeah. all goes hand in hand, yeah. you know? How I start hours? getting weird if I don't surf, and, and uh, it starts to show in, 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 in my work. Right. Yeah. It's important. It's therapy. Um, final question for everybody interviewed is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? As far as, I mean, like on like what I rode on Saturday? Yeah. My 7-0. Perfect. The, the, I had a feeling that was going to be fan, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll get a photo of that and post it. Anything else that we didn't cover that we should talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll probably stop this interview and be like, man, I should have talked about this or I should have mentioned that. Yeah, if but, you could think of anything at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, Tom Everly is one of my big mentors, too. I don't know if you know much about him. No, I know his name through the industry, but yeah. I don't know much about him personally. Uh, amazing person he's almost he's like a he's like a dad to me really yeah he lives in nicaragua now um but his shop was kind of like the catalyst of of uh you know joel coming in there and and uh bringing all this work to us uh, as far as like resin color and this whole thing like like when it all started um i learned a lot from him too uh so i always i always like tell people like i went to uh I went from K to college at Moonlight, and then I took my master's at Tom Everly. Oh, that's a good way of putting <laughs> Tom it. Tom Everly University. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does he still surf? Oh, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He lives down in Nicaragua. So yeah. he's scoring down there? Yeah. He's retired from shaping, even though I think he shouldn't because he makes such amazing boards. But, yeah, he still surfs all the time. Good. Good for him. Yeah. Actually, if you need a if you need a place to uh, stay at down there, he's got a he's got a room and board. Whereabouts? Uh, Colorado. Perfect. Yeah. Is he at Hacienda Iguana, like on that property? Somewhere close to there, okay. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's cool that you actually reached out and and wanted to to talk to someone like me from the industry. I think it needs to happen more. Good. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, it's funny. When I first started doing the podcast, it was like four years ago, actually. Tried to keep conversations pretty general and yeah. broad. And that's not what the listeners want. Like once we, I would start getting into like kind of detailed design conversations with shapers. And as the interviewer, I would steer away from it because I thought it was too nuanced and too heady for listeners yeah. to really care. And all of the feedback I've received over the years is like, no, 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 we want more of that. Like the more detail, tell us what cloth you use, tell us which resin brand, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like people want to know, you know? I think there's a lot of misinformation on the internet, first of all. So like there's more information available to people than there's ever been, but there's also more misinformation. So people walk into a shaper's shop and just be like hey i want this much volume in my board and the shaper's like what are you talking about like yeah. you you don't know that and like <laughs> that's not what i do you know yeah. and so there's a kind of danger but i think the podcast is a great platform to actually um give detailed accurate information you know but then i'll interview some 
multiple shapers and they'll say conflicting things and it's not right or wrong it's just this guy does it this way right and that guy does it another way yeah i mean you there could be some people are going to be like this guy's full of shit like it's all about like new materials and epoxy and all and carbon wraps and i think that's really cool too and you know maybe if i if if, i i don't like boards that are super light you know I, i never really have when I was living in Florida, I grew up in, in Florida, um, I'd probably be singing a different tune sure. because the waves are crap most of the time and, you know, you're surfing, you know, short period windswell, poly chop, yeah. you know, like one two-foot chop. Yeah. So you probably want, like, something super light and responsive. Um, not that the boards I'm building aren't light and responsive, but... Uh, but I, I think that's a, actually a really good point is... What you're saying isn't gospel, and it's yeah. not the Bible. It applies to what you're doing for yeah, your customers. Exactly. Yeah. But if you go to Hawaii, order a board from Eric Arakawa or yeah. Pat Rawson or whatever, yeah. and then when you go to Trestle, you know, like there's boards for regions. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. Surfing's so big now. It's like um, there's so many avenues to it. You know, there's yeah. so many different directions to to go, and I think there's a market for it all. It's, it's right. You know, which is why I'm. It's understandable that there are like models that are available throughout the world by a given brand because it is this global thing and people want to simplify the process. But for me, I'm always advocating for develop a relationship with a local shaper. Yeah. Have them understand the way you surf, the waves that you surf. Then get a board from them, surf it, come back, give them feedback, get another board from them. Yeah. Hopefully by the time you get to eight or ten boards, you'll have something that works really, really well for you. But it takes a lot of time. But that's also the joy in it. You well, know? Like you're also supporting a really good, you know, a really good in- industry. Um, and you're kind of like, you know, you're supporting your own, basically. We're all just surfers. This is our job. You know, I mean, it doesn't get, it's sur- surfer labor, you know? Totally. <laughs> and and that's part of the fun in it too, is like yeah. figuring out why it works, why it doesn't work. Like that whole journey is the joy. You yeah. know, I don't need a board that just surfs perfectly every single time. I want to kind of figure it out. And so, yeah. So anyways, glad to do it, man. Thank yeah, you for taking for the time. Sure. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. you super wolf i will not ever be referring to him by his given name uh, ever again henceforth he will always be known as super wolf in my mind and you the listener can be cool by following him on instagram at super wolf and then i'll be posting photos of his work through this week on our instagram page at surf splendor i've already posted photos of him and then of everything that we discussed in this episode on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can also leave a comment in the comment section for Alex. If you do, I will ensure that he receives it. And then, of course, while you're on our website, click over and support the brands that support this show. It's all for you. You'll get to instantly expand your quiver and simultaneously explore fin design at fanatic.com, promo code podcast. And then healthiq.com slash surf splendor. They are alleviating the insane burden that weighs on our U.S. healthcare system 
by financially incentivizing people to live longer and healthier lives through diet and exercise. It does not sound revolutionary, but it is in the world of life insurance. So if you're healthy and you need life insurance, healthiq.com slash surfsplendor. If you already have life insurance, just humor me and follow that same link. If you qualify, you'll save money and you'll support this show. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor. However, maybe you ride finless surfboards and you don't need Fanatic. And you throw caution to the wind without having life insurance. I'll tell you right now, finless surfing, it's bad for your knees. But I still admire you. There's a unique reward that you can receive by supporting this show in other ways. It comes in the form of a warmed heart when you click the donation button on surfsplendorpodcast.com. It feels so nice, and it ensures that you'll receive future episodes of this show. So you can do that. And then lastly, share the show with friends. We'll produce the content if you operate as our guerrilla marketing team. You can rate and review the show in the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you listen in, and that's just paying it forward for strangers. That helps strangers to find the show by increasing our rankings So thank you for those who have already done it. And if you haven't, I'm going to thank you in advance. All right. Until next week, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor reminding you, get in the ocean, share some waves, and shred on.